How many of you are members of AARP? Come on, put it up. All right. I, uh, um, I got my first invitation to join AARP when I, was, when I turned 50. And I have to tell you, I, didn't, I did not like getting it. <laughs> but uh, apparently they've, they've started sending those out earlier. Now, uh, that is the letter our daughter, Jacqueline, who's 29 years old, got to officially join AARP. If you don't believe it, let's look at the next slide. There's her name, Jacqueline Egan, in Charleston. Uh, she told me that about three weeks ago, and I just fell over laughing. You know, we're going to reach that time in life quick enough, right? I mean, it happens. We, you know, the years pass, we get older, and eventually uh, we'll get to the place where we're happy to take those senior discounts. Uh, I'm there. I like those. But, uh, you know, we get older and, and, and we face death and, and eternity and all of that. And, and we know it's coming. Let's just not rush it, okay? Let's just not rush it. We, but we, we know it's happening. It's sort of like the a man I heard about who went to the doctor because he hadn't been feeling very well. And they did a very thorough examination. And after a little while, the doctor came back in the room and he had this really, you know, grim look on his face and said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I hate to... To, to have to tell you this, but you only have six months to live. And the guy said, six months? He said, yeah, that, that's it, six months. Well, they talked a little bit, and after a moment, the man asked his doctor, so doctor, tell me something. If you only had six months to live, what would you do? The doctor thought about that, and then he said, well, I'll tell you what. If I only had six months to live, I believe I'd do three things. Number one, I'd leave South Carolina and move to Kentucky. I'm just saying. <laughs> Number two, I'd buy a hog farm with 100 hogs on it. And number three, I'd marry a widow woman with a dozen kids. He said, you would, Doc. He said, yeah, I would. He said, why, Doc? Will it cure you? He said, no, son, it won't cure you, but it'll make those six months seem like the longest you ever lived. <laughs> no, we're... <laughs> You have my permission to share that at lunch with people, okay? Um, you know, we're, we're going to get there soon enough, right? Let's not rush it. But, but, but it is a reality that we do get old. And it's a reality. We die. And it's a reality on the other side of death there is eternity. And it's real. And it's important that each person each person be ready for that, uh, that journey. That each person be ready for the grave. That each person be ready for eternity. Be ready to, to, uh, to see, see God. And remember now, as a family of faith, as a church, we exist to love God, love people, and to, to make disciples. And the purpose of the church is the same purpose that each of us as individual disciples have. It's you know, the, great, the great commandment, love God and love people, right? the Great Commission, make disciples. The, the charge I have from Jesus as a follower of Christ is the same charge this church has. And when you, you love God, you love people, and you want to see people be disciples, be followers of Christ, have a relationship with Him and be ready for, for death, and be ready for eternity. But also, 
be ready to live in the here and now as Christ followers because living as a disciple makes life better. Do we agree with that? I mean, there's, there's, there are such rewards and blessings in living for Christ in the here and now. And then, and then all the blessings of eternity. And so it's important that, that we be ready for that, but it's also important that, that everybody be ready for that. And God's given us the duty, the purpose, the mission, if you will, of loving people enough because we love him enough that we want to help them become followers of Christ, help them become disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to do this morning is a little different. I'm not going to preach a traditional sermon. I want to do, I want to do a little teaching and in a moment some role play. Because I want to help you as a follower of Christ. That's what you are as a disciple, okay? You're a disciple of Jesus. Every Christian is a disciple, a student of Christ. And a disciple is someone who's following Christ and is being changed by Christ because you're growing and being transformed and your own mission with Christ, your own task with Christ. And that's, that's to change this world and make it a better place and help people have a relationship with God. And so what I want to do today is to, to help you as a, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple, know how to share with someone else how they can be a disciple. Help you know how to have a conversation with someone who's not a follower and not a believer so they can know what the Scripture says about how they can be a believer, how they can have a relationship with Christ. Because that's the mission that not only this church has, this, that's, that's the mission you as a follower of Christ have, is, is to engage people in conversation and love them and serve them and share with them the truth of Scripture, the gospel, so they can know Christ. And so I want to help you know how to do that. And, and in, at the same time, there, I know there are people in this room who are not followers of Christ. So as I'm sharing... This, you're going to learn today how you can have a relationship with Jesus, how you can become a follower of Christ. And, and I like talking to people, okay? And I, and I think the, the most effective way of, of sharing with people is just love people and have conversations with people. And one of the best things you can do is engage people in you know, conversation by asking questions. So I want to share with you as I start um, some questions that you can ask people and, and, and jot these down. Learn these questions. These are good questions to ask people. There are also questions that you need to ask and answer yourself, okay? Because they get to the heart of, <clears throat> of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then after we look at these questions, I'm going to have a volunteer come up and we're going to role play and show you how to use Scripture to explain a relationship with Jesus to people. So let's look at the first question. Next slide. Here we go. Here's an important question that you need to answer and that you need to be able to ask other people. Have you come to a place in your own life where you know for certain? Now look at that. You know for certain, not you hope. You know for certain that if you die, you will go to heaven and you do have eternal life when you die. That's a question you need to be able to answer because a lot of times when I ask people that question, they say, well, I think so. Well, I hope so. Or they'll even say, I, I don't know. Or I didn't know a person could know. But you see, the Scripture teaches that we can know. God wants you and everyone else to have more than a hope-so religion. If you have a hope-so religion, you don't have what God wants you to have. The Bible says, these things I've written to you, referring to Scripture, in order that you may know. Listen to that. God says he's given us his word so that you may know you have eternal life. God wants people to know. And so a question I'll often ask people is, have you come to a point in your life 
For you know for certain if you died today, you would go to heaven. You know for certain you have eternal life and you'll go to heaven when you die. Some version of that question. Now, personally, how would you answer that question? Can you say with confidence, yes, I know if I died this afternoon, I'd go to heaven. I know if I died today, I would have eternal life. God wants you to know. And, 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 and based on their answer, you can say to the people, well, would it be all right if I take the next few moments and just show you about five or six Bible verses that can help you know how you can know for certain you have eternal life and get their permission to show them? And then you see the little follow-up question. Uh, even if they say, yeah, I know, then I'll ask, how do you know? Because what I'm wanting to hear is a clear testimony of a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to the next question. If you died and stood before God, let's just say tonight, this afternoon, you, you dropped dead of a heart attack. And you stood before God and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? Because it is his heaven. What would you say? How would you answer? And here's the thing. The way someone answers that question tells you what they really are trusting in. And so how would you answer that? I'm asking you right now, each person in this room, how would you answer that question? What would you say to God if he said, why should I let you into heaven? Would you say, well, I've, I've, I was baptized. I've been a member of the church my whole life. I've tried to live a good life and be, be a good person. See, how you answer that says what you ultimately trust in. And at the end of this morning, you'll know what the only answer is. That's a good question that each of us need to answer. And, 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 and you can ask people because if they say something, a religious answer about being baptized, going to church, et cetera, et cetera, that's not the, that's not the biblical answer. Let's go to the next question. This is one I've used ever since I was a teenager. Um, what is a Christian? And they'll say, well, you know, a Christian somebody goes to church. And I'll say, well, yeah, a Christian goes to church. But what is a Christian? There's a difference between what a Christian does and what a Christian is. So what is a Christian? Well, he's, you know, he's been baptized. She's been baptized. Yes, a Christian has been baptized. But what is a Christian? Well, a Christian is somebody who believes in God. And I said, yes, a Christian believes there's a God. But what is a Christian? What well, a Christian is somebody who believes the Bible, believes the Word of God, believes, you know, yes, a Christian believes the Bible, but what is a Christian? And, and, and then sometimes I've had people say, well, I don't know. What is one? And I'll say, well, can I take a few moments and show you about five or six Bible verses that will help you understand what a Christian is? Now I have permission to share with them the truth of God's Word. Let's go to the next slide. Here's another question. What do you think a person does to become a Christian? That's similar to the, the one just before it. Different ways of asking the same thing because what you're trying to, to, to understand is what is their thinking? What do they think a Christian is? How you become a Christian? How you prepare for eternity? What is it they're really trusting in? And so you're, you're looking for that so that you can say, well, can I share with you what the Bible says? And so you're not debating, you just wanted to get them into the Word of God so they can see what the Scripture says about these important questions that have to do with eternity, that have to do with death. I mean, these are some of the most important questions any human being can ever answer. 
And so can I share with you the Word of God? And one of the reasons you don't have to argue with anybody, just get people to see Scripture, is you allow God to speak for Himself through His Word. Let God do His thing. And you just do your thing. Let God do His thing. All right, next one. Now, most people people in America say they believe in God, and that's still true. Ninety-some percent of Americans say they believe there is a God. What does believing in God mean to you? Well, can I show you what the New Testament says believing in God means? And so that's, that's you know, the most common approach I take. And there are other questions. These are just some examples of questions that you can ask people when you're engaging them in these spiritual conversations. But there are also questions that each of us in this room right now, and those of you watching by live stream or on television, you need to be able to answer clearly as well. Most important questions in life you'll ever answer. So once they say, well, yeah, sure, show me those Bible verses. I'd like to know. Then I want to demonstrate for you right now how I would do that or one of the ways I would do that. And and I just hope that maybe you can learn some things that can help you as you have conversations with people. So Brother Tim, come on up. Tim's going to help me. We're going to do a little role play. Now Tim is saved and going to heaven, okay? He's, he's, he's a genuine Christian, teaches Bible study classes around here. But for the purpose of, wh- of what we're doing right now, he's lost. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Steve. Thank Y'all welcome, Tim. Thank him for coming up today. Now, uh, he, he really is a Christian, but we're, he's going to pretend that he's not. Okay, and uh, and so I've already would have asked him questions like I was just sharing with you, and and asked, got his permission. Would it be okay if I show you some Bible verses that can help you understand how to have eternal life, how to know, you know, whatever the question was? I just related to that. Are you with me? You tracking with me, guys? Give me something. Okay, all right. You know, I'm a preacher. It needs some feedback. Okay. Uh, don't necessarily need you to dance, but you know, good amen will be okay. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Sometimes I'm too spontaneous for my own good. <laughs> but anyway, uh, one of the verses I'd start with, and, and, and these are all going to be in Romans, just to keep it simple for you. You can, use, you can use what I'm getting ready to do, different Bible verses, but I'm just going to use some verses from Romans, part of what some historically call the Romans' road to salvation. All right? All right, so here's the way I would do this. I'd start with Tim. I want to show you some verses all in the New Testament here in the book of Romans. And the first one I want us to look at is Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And notice I'm using my finger and pointing to the verse so he can see exactly where he's at. You with me? All right. Tim, would you mind reading verse 23 there out loud? Sure. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, Tim, when you, when you read that, what came to mind? What did that say to you? Think of all the bad things I've done. Uh, okay. And um, you know, I don't measure up to what God wants me to do. All right. And that would be true for all of us. Notice, notice that it says here all of us have done that, right? And that's, that's me, you, every, every person that we know, every person that's ever lived. And it says we've all sinned. H- how would you define sin? Not doing what God wants me to do um, or not doing what he wants me to do. All right. So or doing what he doesn't want me to so do. So messing up. Yeah, messing right. up. Uh, what are some sins that you can name? Um, being greedy. Um, Okay. Um, adultery, um, love of money. All right, okay. Those are just long lists, right? Yeah. Well, let me ask you an, another question, Tim. Uh, you know, because the Bible, when it talks about sin, says sin. We, we can do wrong with, with our thoughts. We can have bad thoughts. That's, that's sin. 
uh, we, we, you know, we, both of us, all of us, we do things that, that are bad, that are wrong, and that's sin. And there's, have you ever had a, a chance to help somebody to do something good and you didn't do it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, and the Bible says what we don't do can be a sin. So think about that. We can sin by how we think, mm-hmm. by what we do, by what we don't do. So a lot of different ways, and we sin a lot. So how many times in a day would you, would you think the average person sins? Okay. But what about if a person only sinned three times a day? I mean, only three times a day thought a bad thought, only three times a day did something they shouldn't have or forgot or chose not to do. That would be a pretty good day, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Compared to most people, that would be yeah. a really good day. Yeah. All right, now, let's just think for a minute. Let's say uh, somebody was good every day, okay, only three sins a day every day. At the end of a year, let's just round it up, that would be about 1,000 sins a year. Right. Lived to be 70 years old, that's 70,000 sins. Yeah. And that's if you never had a bad day. Yeah. That doesn't sound very good. No. So the truth is, we've sinned a lot. Right. Yeah. And it says all of us have sinned. And, and, and look there at the end of the verse, it says, and we, we fall short. Read that again. And fall short of the glory of God. Okay. And that means, Tim, if, if Jesus were sitting in that chair over there, you know, at, at the kitchen table, could you look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm as good as you are? No. Why not? I'm not. Because of this right here, we've all sinned, and he never did. And so we all come short. Now, let me stop for a moment. I want you to notice, one of the things I'm doing is I'm, I'm, getting, I'm asking Tim to read the Scripture. Because there's something powerful about him reading it himself versus just listening to me quote it. Nothing wrong with me quoting it, but there's something powerful about him reading it. Because not only are we having a conversation, I'm wanting him to have a conversation with God. And, and I asked... Tim, Tim, what does that say to you? What does that mean to you when you read that? What thought comes to your mind? Because these verses that talk about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's the thing. People who don't know Jesus can understand the gist of what those verses are saying. You're just trying to help them dig a little bit deeper. Because the Spirit speaks to them. The Holy Spirit, He's at work. Okay, So let, let the Holy Spirit do His work. The other thing about this back and forth is it's a lot more conversational than most of our ways of, of sharing the gospel with other people. Can you see that? So, you know, Q&A, it's more like a dialogue. It's, it's, it's a dialogue focused on spiritual things and understanding Scripture, but it's still it's a conversation. It'd be no different than I, if, if he was trying to explain to me how to tie a fly so I could go fly fishing or something. You know, whatever he was trying to, it's the same thing, Q&A, back and forth, back and forth. That's what's happening here as he's learning that uh, sin is a problem. All right, Tim, let me show you another verse here real quick. Go over to chapter 6, Romans chapter 6. And somebody help me because I, I can't see the clock up there. So if it gets to be 9 o'clock, y'all start waving at uh, 10 o'clock, y'all start waving at me because I could go on to 11 o'clock with this and I know y'all want to go to lunch. Uh, uh, six, Chapter 6, Look at, let's look at verse 23 here. Tim, would you read that part for me? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, let's just focus on this first part, of those first few words, that first phrase. Would you read that again? For the wages of sin is death. All right. And when you think about that part, Tim, the wages of sin is death. What does that What does that say to you? Well, when I think of wages, this is what you're going to get. This is the yeah. consequence of sin, and right. the consequence of that is death. All right. So now, uh, you got you, what do you, What do you do for a living, Tim? I I, I work at a, a e-commerce department. Okay. How often do you get paid? Twice a month. All right. So when you, when you get that check, that's your wages, right? right. That's, that's your paycheck. You've earned. You feel you deserve that? Yeah. Probably more. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. yeah. So you, you get your paycheck. Right. 
Now, notice what it says here, that we get a paycheck because of all that sinning we've, we've done. And that paycheck is what? Death. All right. Now, death, let me, let me help you understand that a little bit because when we think of death, we think you know, we die physically. Right. But there's really three types of death in the New Testament. One is physical death, that, that we die physically as a result of sin. But the Bible says there's also a thing called spiritual death, that, that on the inside we, we may know there's a God, but because of sin we are spiritually dead and don't have a relationship with him, that we're separated from him by our sin. It builds this wall or barrier between us. And then it's also meaning eternal death, spending eternity without God, eternity not having a relationship with God. Because if we live our whole life spiritually dead, separated from God because of our sin, then we physically die. And we die physically as someone who is spiritually dead. We spend eternity spiritually dead, separated from God, in a place of suffering that the Bible calls hell. That's not exciting news, is it? No. That's, that's actually really bad news. And the Bible says that's true for every one of us. But there is good news. Let me show you another verse here. Take you over to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. All right. Let's read verse 8 there. Tim, what, would you read that out loud? But, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right. when, you, when you read that, what came to your mind? That God's good to us, that he, that yeah. he loves us, and that um, he wants to do something about our problems. All our right. sin. Now notice, what, what does it say that God demonstrated? Yeah. Right? So God has shown his love. It's not just words. And he showed it by Christ dying for us. Yeah. And notice, when did he do it? What does it say there? While um, we were yet... We, we were while we were sinners. Yeah, so here's the thing. See, God took the initiative. While each of us was still in our sin, spiritually dead, and, and deserving that paycheck of death because we've all sinned, God said, I love you so much that I'm going to reach out to you. I love you so much. I'm going to show you my love, and the way I'm going to do that is by sending my son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sin. And let me, let me show you what happened when Jesus died on the cross for us, okay? Let's... Uh, Let's do a little illustration. Let's say my left hand is you, Tim, okay? Now, that verse says God loves you, right? right. But you have a problem. You're sin. Yeah. So let's pretend my Bible is a book, and in here is written all the sins you've ever committed. Uh, probably not big enough. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be for me. Right. We've sinned a lot. Right. So here's, here's this. God loves you, yeah. okay? But your sin, God hates, and has to, that has to be punished. There's wages for that. So God has a predicament. You know how God solved that predicament? Christ. Yeah, Jesus. So let's say my right hand over here is Jesus. Yeah. All right, He never sinned. And the Bible in, in the Old Testament book of Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to his own way. In other words, we've all sinned. God loves us, but here's the sin. Now over here is Jesus, never sinned. So we've all gone astray. But the Lord, the Bible says, God has laid on him, laid on Jesus, the iniquity or the sin of each of us, all of us. That when Jesus died on the cross, what he did was he took all our sin and he took it on himself. And the wages, the paycheck that we deserve, he took it on himself. He paid the penalty for our sin so we would not have to. That's good news, that isn't is it? That is terrific news. Yeah, it really is. But, even though, but here's the thing. He did that for everybody. But not everybody's a believer. Not everybody, not everybody is forgiven. There's something we have to do for this, for what Jesus did to be real in our own lives. Let me show you what that yeah, is. Yeah, what is that? Okay. Let's go back over here to Romans. We looked at that 
chapter 6, verse 23 a moment ago. Right. Let's go back and look at it again. It's, it's the verse right here, Tim. The first part of it said the wages of sin is death. Right. All right, read the, the second part of the verse. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. What is a gift? Something you give to someone else. All right, and they give it usually because they love, love you us. or in appreciation or whatever. Right. Uh, when, they, when they give you a gift, do you whip out your check, put them around a check and pay them for it? No. Wouldn't be a gift if you did that, right? So if somebody gives you a gift, what do you do? Thank them. Yeah. So you just accept yeah. it? Yeah, accept it. Receive All right. It. Yeah. Well, let me illustrate this way. I've got a piece of paper here, Tim. And, um, and by the way, analogies, word pictures work with adults as well as they do kids. Because most of us are uh, visual learners, okay? So let's say this, this is a piece of paper, Tim, and... Um, I'm going to give it to you as, as a gift. Let, let's imagine this is not a piece of paper. Let's just say this is a gift certificate. What's your favorite restaurant? Oh, um, What's one you like? Not, um, uh, you don't like to eat, huh? Mac, macaroni Grill. Okay, so you, oh, okay, so you want some, you want some uh, Italian. All right. So let's say this is a gift certificate worth $100 for Macaroni Grill, okay? And if I offer it to you, that gift certificate, you would do what? You just reach out. Take it. it yeah. Say thank you. Right? You, would, you just take You just right. receive it. Right. But now normally when I, we give people a gift, we put them in a package. Whether it's at Christmas, we wrap it up or put it in a bag. Or we give gift certificates, we put them in a little envelope. Right. And, all right, so let's pretend my Bible here is the envelope. Right. And so I'm putting this $100 certificate to that restaurant. I'm going to put it inside my Bible. And I offer it to you, and the certificate's on the inside. To get the certificate, the gift, the gift what do you have to do? You take the Bible. Yeah, you, so you have to take the package because right. the gift's the inside the package. Right, right, right. All right, well, let's change this up a little bit. I want you to notice here in verse 23 again. Yeah. It says the gift of God is eternal life. Mm -hmm. So let's pretend this is not a certificate, but let's pretend this is actually eternal life. And if I'm offering, God's offering you eternal life, what do you do? I would Just take it. it. But notice that it's eternal life in, 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 Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Let's pretend now that this piece of paper is not a gift certificate. This actually represents eternal life. God's offering it to you as a gift. And you just receive it. But just like we give gifts and packages, so does God. And let's pretend my Bible here now is Jesus. And notice what it said there in verse 23. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So let's say this piece of paper represents eternal life. And my Bible represents Jesus. And I put it in there. And I offer it to you. To get eternal life, you have to do what? I need to receive Jesus. Exactly. As a gift. Because the gift is eternal life. Yeah, yeah. But it's in Jesus. And you can't have the gift of eternal life without receiving Jesus because it's in Him. Does that make sense? That, that helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. But the key question then is how do you receive Jesus? Yeah. Well, let's look at that. Okay. A couple more verses here in Romans. How are we doing on time, guys? Doing good. Huh? Three, what? Yeah, it's three till ten. Three till? All right, we're going to go fast. <laughs> Y'all say he can't. <laughs> All right. Let's look at verses 9 and 10 here of chapter 10, Romans 9 and 10. Can you read right here? Yeah, yeah. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For the heart, with the for, heart. for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Right. Now, for the sake of time, let me speed this up. What I would share with Tim or with anyone is that what this, these verses say is that the way you receive Christ is, is, is by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. 
You see, it's not, it's not enough just to say something. Because people can say something and not believe it. You have to believe it in here. It's also not enough just to have good intentions in your heart. You have to acknowledge it. You have to say something. You have to confess it. And what we confess here is that Jesus is Lord. And who do we confess that to? To, to God. To God and, and, to, and to people. Yeah. You're right. So in prayer, I acknowledge to God that I believe Jesus is who he said he was. He's mm -hmm. Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I acknowledge it to people. I'm not ashamed of him. And I have to believe it in my mm -hmm. heart. And if I do that, it says I will be what? Saved. And what that means is our sins forgiven. We have eternal life. Jesus paying for our sin on the cross is applied to us so we don't have to pay for it. We have that free gift of eternal life. And when it talks about righteousness resulting in righteousness, that means right standing with God. So that now when God looks at you, rather than seeing a sinner, he sees, he sees someone who's as righteous as Jesus because Jesus gives you that gift. That's a beautiful That's thing. That's amazing. Yeah. And here's how you call on, here, here's, here's how you acknowledge this to God, okay? Mm -hmm. Verse 13 of chapter 10, would you read that? Yeah. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And normally I would ask, what does that say to you? And we would talk about it. But it's the idea that, that you have to come to a place where you make a conscious decision. You realize you're a sinner, and you cannot save yourself. And your religious activity will not save you. That you have to come to a place of acknowledging your sin to God, repenting of that sin, asking for forgiveness, and committing your life to Jesus, and depending on Him, and receiving Him into your life. And when you receive Jesus into your life by committing yourself to Him, he brings with him eternal life. He brings with him forgiveness. He brings with him righteousness. And the only way you can be right with God is to have Jesus in your life. And then, if this was a real conversation with somebody who was lost, I would say to Tim, Do you, does this make sense to you? And we would talk about it. And, and then I would ask him, well, would you like to receive God's gift of eternal life by committing your, yourself to Jesus right now? And if he said yes, I would lead him in prayer. But you've heard me say many, many times to do that, and we'll do it in just a moment. So, Tim, thank you. Would you all say thank you to Tim for helping me out this morning? Now, there's many Bible verses you could use to do something very similar that give different shades of meaning to help you understand in different ways what it means to give your life to Christ. But let me show you two more verses in Romans on the screen that help you understand the result of someone making this kind of decision and and coming to Jesus this way. Notice that verse from Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now, this moment, this present tense, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice when Christ is in you and you are in Christ. The New Testament uses both, both language, in Christ and Christ in us. So Jesus is in us, and because he's in us, we are spiritually speaking in him, in Christ. And because we are in Christ through this faith relationship of repentance and commitment and dependence, because we are in him, there is no condemnation right now. The moment you are placed in Jesus because he's in you, you cease being under the condemnation and judgment of God. You are already under the forgiveness of God. You already have eternal life. You already have righteousness. You are in Christ, and the, 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 the wages of sin is no longer part of your reality. You're in Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I'll show you one more verse. Therefore, having been, this is Romans also, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified, that, that, that's a legal term. 
It's a court term, a judicial term. It's the idea that you stand before God at judgment in court, the court of the heaven. And, uh, and God declares you not guilty. I, I'm going to stand before God on the judgment day. But because I'm in Christ due to Christ being in me, and God no longer sees my sin. And I stand there. Did I sin? Yes, but because of Christ, I stand there and God looks and says, not guilty. Because Christ paid the penalty, I'm declared not guilty. Isn't that a great thing? Now, you need to help people understand that. This is the reason the story of Jesus is called the gospel, the good news. And this week, I, I pray you will talk to people. You will invite people to church. You will pray for people. And, 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 and God, God wants this for everyone. And by the way, you know, we exist to love God and love people. But let me add to that. We, we're to love people unconditionally. Lost people who are making a mess of their life, we are to love them. Not hate them. We are lovingly, lovingly, lovingly to share the gospel, the good news of Christ. And you can't lovingly share it with people that you hate. This is the reason Jesus commands us to love people and love people unconditionally. Now, but what about you? What about you? Are you under the condemnation of God or are you free of that? Are you justified? Do you have peace with God? Or are you still legally guilty of sin and not at peace with God because you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ? If, if you died and stood before God right now and God said, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer? Would you say, it's because I confessed my sin to Jesus and received him as my Lord and Savior and committed my life to him and I'm depending totally on Jesus and that's the only hope I have? Or would you say some, something religious? Are you ready to stand before God? Are you ready to die? Are you ready for eternity? Because God wants you to be ready. And, and when you're, listen, when you're ready to die, you're ready to live. When, when your eternal issues are settled, it's so much easier to, to do what we need to do in this life because we have a different motivation. And when we have a different strength, God is within us and he enables us to do what alone we could never do. And that's good news. And so confessing with our mouth to God and in front of people, why, why are people baptized? To give public witness to their faith in Jesus that goes beyond their religiosity. It's, it's a way of saying, I am committed to the crucified, buried, and resurrected Jesus and depending solely, completely, only on him for my salvation. And I want the world to know it. So confess it to God and confess it to men. And I, I'm going to ask us to stand and we're going to sing a song, so if you would stand with me, and in just a moment we're going to sing this hymn. And, and I'm asking you to confess to God and, and to the world that Jesus is your Lord. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, you, you've never fully surrendered to Him and said, Lord, I'm depending on you for salvation, I'm going to ask you to come to where uh, Brother Steve is standing or where I'll be standing down here and say, today I want to become a follower of Christ. And, and I want to know I have eternal life. I want Jesus in my life.
If you've done that previously, you've already done that, but you've not publicly acknowledged it. I'm asking you to come to one of us and say today, I want the world to know, I want this church to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. And if you need to be baptized and you, and, and you haven't been introduced to the church yet, come and say today, I want to be baptized. Pastor, if possible, I'd like to be baptized next Sunday and, and give witness to my faith in Jesus. If you are desiring to join our church, we'd love for you to be part of our family of faith as we try to make a difference in this world and in people's lives. And come and kneel at this altar and pray for people. I, there are people here today, and, and you're, you're, you're burdened for people you know who need Jesus. Come and pray for them. So let's sing together. And you come and make your decisions for the Lord right now.